So over the last 40 days plus a few during the season of Lent, we've been diving into our Lenten theme of the deeply formed life by a book by the same name by author Rich Volotis. So over the last few weeks, we've been exploring what it looks like during our Sunday gatherings and our weekly community group. Five values and practices that root us deeply in the way of Jesus and his kingdom. We've been exploring practices and values of contemplative rhythms, racial justice and reconciliation, interior examination, sexual wholeness and missional presence. And then last week, we engaged around the table of Jesus and connected the importance of that table with the deeply formed life. So all these values, all these practices, contemplative rhythms, racial justice and reconciliation, interior examination, sexual wholeness, missional presence, and the gathering around the table of Jesus are what helps us form deeply in the way of Jesus and his kingdom. But I believe, and I would believe Rich Velotis, what he's getting at by calling it a deeply formed life is this. The deeply formed life is a cruciform life. Now, that's not a word you probably hear every day. Cruciform. But what does that mean What does the word cruciform mean? It's just this. In the shape of the cross. And so the deeply formed life is a life that is lived in the shape and the way of Jesus and the cross. And all of the practices that we've been exploring from contemplative rhythms of silent prayer and Sabbath keeping and slow reading of scripture and a commitment to stability to racial justice and reconciliation and all the practices that we talked about to a life of interior examination to sexual wholeness to missional presence living as the hands and feet of Jesus in a broken world to gathering around the table of Jesus of eating together of serving one another, of washing feet, to taking communion and remembering the body and the blood of Jesus help shape us into cruciform people, people whose lives look like Jesus and look like the cross. But before we can get to the conversation of having a deeply formed life that is a cruciform life, Before we can talk about being cruciform individuals and a cruciform community, and before we can talk about that lives that look like Jesus and the cross, we need to explore what we're talking about when we say the cross. We need to look directly at the cross on this Good Friday, see what this is all about, and then we can talk about being cross-shaped, about being cruciform. In the letter to the church at Colossae, the Apostle Paul, in the first chapter, says this to the church, to the believers there. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood, his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil, evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So the first thing we see in this passage is Paul saying this, that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. What does that mean? That means that Jesus was fully 100% God as well as fully 100% man. All of the fullness of God was in Jesus. Did you notice the word all his fullness? All God's fullness dwelt in Jesus. Not just part of his fullness, not just some of his fullness, but all of his fullness. all of his fullness, dwelling in Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of God in the flesh. If you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus. Or as he would say earlier in his ministry, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It isn't that Jesus is God-like. It's that God is Jesus-like. The only one who could step into the world of broken humanity to heal the rift that humanity has brought into the world was the one who was both God in the flesh and human at the same time. And so because Jesus having the fullness of God dwelling within him was the only one through whom reconciliation could come. Reconciliation between God and humanity. Reconciliation within ourselves. Reconciliation between each other and reconciliation within all of creation. Verse 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Notice a few things in verse 20. First, it's through Jesus that reconciliation happens. We can't make it happen on our own, with our own power, our own strength, our own ingenuity, or our own religiosity. We can't save ourselves no matter how good we might be or think we are. Reconciliation, redemption, the renewal of all things, shalom are only possible through Jesus. Secondly, notice the word that shows up again, the word all. Now, all in this context and in the Greek means all, everything. There is nothing left that cannot be reconciled to God. All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, all things can be reconciled to Jesus. Thirdly, that points to a question. How? How can all things be reconciled to God through Jesus? 
How did he make peace possible between God and humanity? Within our very lives, between each other and within all of creation. Well, at the end of verse 20, it says, through the shedding of his blood on the cross. His own blood shed on the cross for the salvation of humanity. Notice again whose blood? His own. You see, at the time, the Pax Romana was spreading throughout the Roman Empire. They were proclaiming peace, but it was maintained and brought through violence and bloodshed in the form of the cross. The empire brought peace through the shedding of blood. Jesus and the upside-down kingdom of God brought true peace through the shedding of his own blood. The Pax Christi, the peace of Christ, came about because Jesus went to the cross, chose to shed his own blood instead of his enemy's blood in order to secure shalom for his own enemies who include you and I. All of us, in fact, verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But no longer are we enemies. No longer are we alienated from God. We are reconciled to God through Christ's physical body and his death on the cross, as Paul states in verse 22. The sin that brought separation, death, destruction, and us being enemies of between us and God was healed. The crack repaired. Sin dealt with. Reconciliation possible because of Jesus' death on the cross 2,000 years ago. You, we can be set right, redeemed, reconciled, whole, forgiven, and experienced shalom because of Jesus going to this cross, laying down his life, being self-sacrificial, being a servant instead of being served, shedding his own blood instead of the blood of his enemies, turning the other cheek, loving and serving the marginalized, and physically embodying God's will and the kingdom of God on this planet. Now, how does Colossians 1, and really the rest of Scripture, inform or form us into the deeply formed life that root us in the way of Jesus and his kingdom? Or, put it another way, how does the scripture narrative inform and form us to live cruciform lives as individuals and as a collective of people? And remember, this cruciform life is a life that looks like the cross. A cruciform life first is about reconciliation. We become reconciled to God in order to be reconcilers. Or as 2 Corinthians 5 says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. When we spend time in contemplative rhythms so that we can experience the reconciliation in our relationship with God. We spend time examining our interior lives so that we can experience the reconciliation within ourselves. We spend time and energy in racial justice, living into sexual wholeness, missional presence, and gathering around the table in order to experience the reconciliation of God with us, the reconciliation within our very lives, 
that reconciliation between each other and reconciling all of creation in the cosmos. The cruciform life is a reconciled and reconciling life. A cruciform life is a nonviolent, self-sacrificial, enemy-loving, turn-the-other-cheek life. We see Jesus laying his life down for others. We see him shedding his own blood instead of trying to obtain peace by violence and shedding of others' blood. We see him call for his followers to, instead of hate their enemy, to love their enemy. Instead of hitting back when hit, he calls them to turn the other cheek. A cruciform life is connected to the vine and to the gardener. John 15, we are to abide in the vine as Jesus, in Jesus because without being connected, we can do nothing. We live in this way because Jesus did, connecting in contemplative rhythms to his heavenly Father. And lastly, it looks like the upside-down kingdom of God. A cruciform life challenged the values, beliefs, and actions of the empire, the death-dealing empire that kills and destroys. Instead, the cruciform life works to bring shalom, Jeremiah 29.7, to bring blessing, Genesis 12.3, and life and life to the fullest through Jesus, John 10.10. Cruciformity in our lives as individuals and as a community means we live out the values, beliefs, and actions of the upside-down kingdom of God. And so as we turn our time together this evening, as we continue to look at the cross and the death of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, for the reconciliation of all things, and for the shalom of our world, we turn our attention to sharing communion together. To say as we take it, Jesus, in taking this communion, I want to thank you Thank your life, take your life, your body, your blood into my own life and body so that I can live a deeply formed life. A deeply formed life that is cruciform life, that is in the shape of the cross and the kingdom of God.